0: What happens when a blind man, a woman of color, and a child of immigrants get together to discuss how diversity,
1: inclusion, and equity affect your business? Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm Yubi, and I am the Latino white guy of the group
2: i'm nina i am the woman of color in the group
0: and i'm mike i'm uh the blind guy
1: hey everybody welcome back to choose inclusion this is ubc Minetti, as always and i'm here with nina and mike hello team hello
2: everyone welcome back
0: top of the morning or wherever you're listening
1: (laughs) yeah you know i want to i want to know if the uh if they're listening to us on the space station that's I'm gonna ask that question at another time but that would be kind of cool they should be. work on that I know that's what I was thinking um, all right well welcome and we're really excited this is a very timely episode because of you know that this is all about the PPP um, and the, the process and what's been happening in the last year to really help companies big and small um, you know get through COVID, you know, or at least be able to survive in some way. And so um, we've got a great guest who's really, the, for, her, for the last year, a lot of her time has been focused on bringing information and education uh, to all of us to understand the PPP and how it's been working and not working and, you know, the obstacles. So it's it's great to have Hannah Smolinsky here. She's the founder and CEO of Clara CFO Group and a senior advisor to Upside Financial. And I'll, I'll let you kind of talk about those, um, Hannah, but welcome. How are you?
3: Hi, good morning. Um, I'm doing really well. Just um, really excited to have this conversation today. So thank you so much for having me.
1: No, absolutely. We are too. It was it was great that you all reached out uh, particularly because the, the new roles for the PPP um, just rolled out and you know this this we this February 22nd week um, of 2021. And so first of all tell us a little bit about you and how you came into this this particular role.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm like the um the what maybe the, the term is unexpected PPP expert now, like,
1: or
2: like, it was never
3: my intention to become a, an expert on these SBA loans, but here I am. Um, so yeah, I, so my background is, has always been in accounting. I'm a CPA. I worked for one of the largest firms, um, in, in the world, um, and then left that job to go and work for a small business. Um, part of that small business world, I started to realize the need for just that financial understanding. Not everybody has somebody who, um, has financial expertise to help them run their small business. So that ultimately evolved into me starting my own virtual CFO business, um, where now I serve small businesses, mostly making under $10 million in revenue in virtual CFO services. I like to almost call it like micro fractional, um, just, just the amount that they need, but so where they don't have to keep a high paid person on their payroll. Right. So, um, I, I started this business, but then what I was realizing is this year, my clients were starting to, you know, have the effects of the pandemic. And then I heard about the paycheck protection program. That's what we're going to call PPP, maybe for anybody who doesn't, who, who hasn't heard about the program. Um, but with that, I started to realize, well, wow, not everybody has like a virtual CFO on their team. Right. So, Who's telling people about this if it's just a sole proprietor running their business or maybe just a couple people together doing the service of whatever they started their small business with? They might not have a financial professional on their side and nobody that's got their back. So I kind of started to put my information up on YouTube just to try to like hopefully share it with my community as I was having webinars with my clients and trying to, you know, get the education out. And from there, I've had some significant growth in my YouTube channel as I've just been growing that piece and trying to answer people's questions. (laughs) Basically, every video is just uh, coming out now as an answer to a question. So trying to stay on top of guidance as best as I can. And kind of with that, I've become a sort of, yeah, unexpected expert, I guess. (laughs)
2: So Hannah, I was wondering if we could um, jump into kind of what was the rollout of PPP like last year, how that impacted businesses, especially businesses that are led by underrepresented groups and, and what's changing this year?
3: Sure. So when the CARES Act first came out, and that's the, the act that sort of created the Paycheck Protection Program and, and put it into place, um, that it it was it was a very quick timeline from when that act happened and when they said that it would should open this program and they allotted funds for this program but it was on a first come first served basis so what happened is right at the very beginning these banks were scrambling to sort of implement these guidelines right get all these new applications in with like very specific Um, requests on how to get loans. And so the banks were scrambling to try to get up and running to receive these applications. Uh, Borrowers were panicking, trying to figure out what was going on. And what happened is basically the very top business is the ones that had finance on their teams, the ones that had somebody watching out for them, they were the first people to get applications in. uh, Because there are even now still almost a year later, businesses that are just finding out and understanding about the paycheck protection program. So the ones that that were getting in right at the very beginning, they were kind of at, I mean, they were probably already at an advantage because they probably already had existing banking relationships, or they had um, financial professionals on their team that were kind of keeping their ear to the ground on this. Um, so that's kind of the environment at that very beginning, it was super panic. I mean, I, I don't know if any of you guys like applied at that very beginning, but (laughs) it was panic all around. People were scrambling at calling banks left and right, trying to get into the program. And some of them were being turned away as well.
0: Hannah, I, this is my cast and, Uh and yes, we were, so we're a small nonprofit. Um, uh, and we, we, we had been using a fractional CFO here locally in the Denver Metro area for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So we, we were absolutely, uh, you know, part of that group where it's saying, yes, we, 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 we had an advantage. Um, now strategically, I recognize like that, that wasn't my bailiwick. So, uh, it made absolute sense to go the, the fractional CFO, like your model, I think is brilliant. I think, um, I think more small businesses need to realize like it is, it is the best investment you're ever going to make is to bring in somebody like you. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm one of your biggest cheerleaders, but, um, I know that, uh, so, so with small businesses not having that representation, uh, but also how many small businesses are, let's say filled with, uh, underrepresented, you know, communities like we know the percentages of, of, uh, of, of black women who start their own businesses, uh, uh, you know, minorities in general, women in general. Uh, so these, these marginalized communities, so, um, you know, from your lens, like what can you, can you can you give us some of just your numbers of like how many folks that uh, you might be helping that are from these? Again, I, I, am not even going to ask you. So how many, how many blind entrepreneurs did you help? Um, Cause <laughs> I, I know the numbers there, but you know, from your, from your vantage point, how many, how many people were coming from these underrepresented communities?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think what we we see when we look at the entrepreneur landscape is it's extremely diverse. Um, but the, majority like i can look at you know i can look at my demographics on youtube and see who is who is watching just male and female or um i can't i can't obviously see certain demographics but um i was definitely getting a lot of a lot of questions coming from all over the place but um a lot of my clients were um white business owners i mean i just i'm basically um, but i was i was starting to see a few um, People starting to understand and get access to this, like as time went on. So, um, starting to see more small business owners, kind of from underrepresented uh, underrepresented communities, um, as time went on. But immediately, I I had clients that are women, but um, they probably wouldn't have known about it had I not been kind of on their team, and so. I, I it's hard to say because I don't have hard demographics on it, but I could just see like as time went on, more people got to know about it and the smaller business owners, especially because I think what we see a lot of times is um, women typically, um, their businesses tend to be smaller in general. And I think that's a that's a statistic like backed up in fact. Um, so we have fewer employees typically, which means they probably don't have you know, as many people on their team to help with this. So we were seeing a lag in women business owners. And I mean, my demographics show it too. like, I'm 66% men and 33% women just from, you know, who's watching my YouTube channel. So that just kind of gives me an indicator. Yes, that's people who watch YouTube, but it's also like business owners. I have um, more just male business owners than, than female business owners. Right. Um, But we're definitely starting to see that, yes, people are asking questions, but sometimes like I'm a year in now and some people are just saying, Hey, am I eligible? (laughs) And I'm noticing some of those are minority business owners. So I I do think it's a level of access that we're definitely talking about here.
2: Yeah. But I mean, what's also interesting is that, you know, one of the stats you sent us prior to the podcast, you know, was that only 12% of black and Brown small business owners receive the assistance assistance that they asked for. Right. So the ones who were even asking are getting a much lower rate of approval Yeah, than that was the- everyone else. And so it kind of like, you know, it, it kind of like puts to questions like, well, why even bother? Yeah. Like the system's not built for them.
3: Yeah. And I, I think that that was a shocking statistic for me because I thought it was more about people just not knowing and not asking. Um, so I was really shocked to see that number and I was, wanting to dive into that a little bit more. And I was thinking about that in practicality, because I've worked with some um, business owners that I thought, hey, this would be a great program for them. But when we really got into the details of looking at their numbers, it was, um, you know, for example, sole proprietors, the way that sole proprietors loan amounts were being calculated was based on net profit. And, if you have a business that you know maybe was in an investment year or they had just started their business, they probably have a pretty low net profit. So then when you really get into calculating the loan at the end of the day, it was going to be a tiny, tiny number. So I wonder if maybe like that was part of it, but we also had um, a lot of people going and trying to apply. And being kind of pushed away because they didn't have an existing banking relationship. So I think both of those things are probably coming into play there. And then I would say the third, um, I'm trying to think about the other things that I, I think are contributing factors to that. I mean, it could just be people turning them away and saying, sorry, no, you're not a client. I'm not going to help you. In you know, I, I don't fully know about the practicality
2: of that. Yeah, like oh, we've had multiple conversations yeah. with people about just like the high level of distrust that the financial industry and as a whole has, has built with the, the black community here, you know, for hundreds of years. So they yeah. haven't built a, a reason for trust. And it seems like, you know, 2020 wasn't very different in terms of continuing to make any efforts to build that trust. They just reinforced everything that the black community knows, which is that financial institutions and in the government aren't really out there to help them in the same way that they're willing to help white people. But I mean, it sounds like the Biden administration is trying to at least and put some new policies in place too, to reach these minority-owned you know, small businesses. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the trust thing too, because I think that is a huge, I was hearing that a lot at the very beginning, even people who got loans, just turning them back and giving them back in because they just didn't, weren't confident in the forgiveness steps. They felt like it was not clear. And they were like, well, even if I get this money, who knows if they're actually going to give forgiveness to me. And they gave money back, you know. So that that was definitely a big point. Um, the Biden administration just this week, and that's what we were kind of alluding to at the beginning of the podcast, was um, they they have put in place a couple measures that I think are super helpful for especially these um, smallest of business owners, which covers the majority of. I mean, if you we've got 30 million small business owners in the U.S. and um, most of them are under like either have less than 20 employees. And then uh, even in that um, category, even more of them are just sole proprietors with no employees. So that's really who's being targeted in this kind of um, sort of next round of focus with some guidelines. So the Biden administration has first said for the next 14 days starting, um, so we're recording this on a Friday, so starting this past Wednesday, for 14 days, the bank should only prioritize loans for uh, businesses with less than 20 employees. So this program right now, the second round of PPP is for uh, businesses with up to 300 employees. So, and then the original paycheck protection program was under 500. So we're talking about really large businesses. I mean, they're quote unquote small businesses in the eyes of the SBA, but they are still very large businesses when we're talking about the majority of businesses in the US. Um, So the Biden administration said, hey, we're gonna put kind of a moratorium on all those uh, larger businesses applying. Let's focus on getting money to these smaller businesses. The average loan size is somewhere around like $75,000, $73,000, which is, you know, really going to help those smaller businesses. Um, So they're focusing on that first. But the bigger issue, I think, and the issue that sort of helps more, I think this is where it's really going to help minority business owners is the change in the calculation of the loan amount for sole proprietors. So like I had mentioned earlier, the sole proprietors were allowed to take their net income and calculate the loan based on the net income. So that's after all the expenses in the business. But now they're saying, no, we're going to change it. So you can calculate it based on your gross income. So that's your gross receipts uh, before taking out any expenses. And that can be a significant number difference between, um, you know, potentially somebody not even wanting to bother with a PPP loan and then somebody who could, you know, get some significant money to help them kind of get through this trying time.
1: I, I mean, this is, I, I, I'm gonna get this episode out as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> just, just because it, I think it's right. just you know so critical to your point, but it, it it kind of begs the question to kind of tie it all back into you know a lot of what we talk about here on Choose Inclusion. You know, it's it kind of beg, it begs the question, right? Was uh, you know was it just all chaos, or was chaos just used to cover up? <laughs> What's mm. really happening? Right. Like what, you know, this, as it, as it relates to the the disparity and who's getting what number, right. Like it's, and I think we know the answer, but.
2: I know it's, it, it's so frustrating. Like what happened last year, like Ruth's Chris steakhouse yeah. was given $20 million for right, the PPP right. program. Like Shake yeah. Shack received the money. They both ended up returning it just because they're like publicly well-known companies, but apparently like 200 companies that are publicly traded, Right. Received seven hundred and fifty million dollars in loan bailouts, yeah, and like that's just ridiculous. Like, how can this program that's designed for small businesses do that?
3: Uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it was it was a matter of like, you know, hey, the rules say, the rules say, if we have less than this many employees, and oh yeah, now you know, together with all my affiliates, you know, that it's, it starts to, I mean, a lot of fast food chains got this money too. You know, this was not uh, just the big guys. I mean, this was, this was across the board. And I mean, I think it also, the, the bar wasn't high enough to test some of those. And I don't think they were thinking through, and maybe they were, I don't know, maybe they were, but they, they did not, um, properly vet the need for this money. And I think that's been one of the challenges of the program with both the speed at which it was trying to get out. I appreciate the speed, you know, like I, am like, I, I understand the need to get this money out to the community as soon as possible. However, with that, they didn't properly vet the, um, the financial need for the money. And with later on, they put in the, the, um, guidelines of like, if you, if you like, I mean, for example, Shake Shack gave back their money, they had like a, they had a round of funding was with, that was like $178 million, like days after they got their PPP loan. So like, you know, everybody thought they were heroes for giving back the money, but really they were just fine. You know, um, they yeah. didn't need the money. Right. Right. And then, well, I... oh, go yeah, ahead. go ahead. Oh no, I was, I was just going to say like they later on, they allowed people to give the money back if, you know, they thought they couldn't really say that the, the money was, you know, needed for the future of their business. But there were tons of organizations still that got loans. And I even talked to um, a sports reporter uh, back in, I think it was like, I don't I can't remember when I talked to them, but there was a um, hockey team, a professional hockey team that got a large loan and they weren't even intending to use it for paychecks. Like they were just going to use it for rent. And they said, well, we're just going to pay back the loan. And they essentially got a really sweet 1% business loan um, out of the program, you know, and it, it was like, no, the, but you know, there was still money left in the program. They applied at the very end And there was still money left on the table and small business owners weren't taking it. So they were like, well, we're smart people. We're going to (laughs) go,
1: we're going to go and get this 1% loan. At the end of the day, like that's, I mean, that's where it's just like anything else, right? And to your point about not doing the homework, like at the end of the day, what happens is when you don't do your homework or when you don't define, really define the rules, then bias takes over. Mm -hmm. Right. And you just kind of default to, well, you know, we're just we're just going to go with what's comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sadly, that's how a lot of things get, you know. And and so I, I guess, you know, one of the one of the cool things we were talking about before is, you know, there are a lot of local kind of community driven organizations, financial organizations, banks, CPAs, who do have this kind of inclusive mindset and and I mean it, it sucks because you you know as a business owner a small business owner you kind of have to seek them out but there are people out there I guess is the good news wouldn't you say that there are organizations out there who are really trying to help everybody
3: yeah I do I mean I I I do have hope that I think that there are organizations that are trying to make this as accessible and open as possible. Um, I, I really do think that some of this goes into the mindset of sort of like those who always have had will continue to get. And then those who um, maybe haven't or don't think that they're eligible will kind of opt opt out or maybe they don't think it's for them. So maybe they just won't. Um, I am seeing this where also business owners who potentially might this mindset of like, they could really use the money, but they're almost kind of talking themselves out of the money. Because they're like, well, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm used to struggle. So I'm going to continue to kind of struggle through this because that's, that's who I am. Like that's, I've, I've, I've struggled enough. I know that I don't usually get this stuff. So I'm going to kind of opt. Like, I, I don't need it, which I actually had a conversation with a Latino woman, like a couple of weeks ago. And I was telling her that she was eligible for the second round of PPP. And I was like, well, you know, like this money is for you. I was trying to like convince her that the money was for her and she almost felt bad about taking a second round of money. And I just think about like all those huge businesses that are happy to receive a second round of money when they can probably make money in lots of other different ways. And yet this woman who, um, you know, is probably just trying to like support her family with this money was kind of opting herself out. And I just, I don't know that, that kind of broke my heart in some ways because I was like, well, this is exactly who this money is for. It's not necessarily for the business that is doing just fine, you know, and making, you know, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Right.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting that you say that. Cause again, as a, as a blind entrepreneur, um, <laughs> knowing I'm, I'm really in a minority, um. When, when the pandemic was first happening, uh, again, we were seven years old at the time as an organization, uh, and we were, do, we were doing okay, uh, but uh, our business model is we act as a nonprofit staffing agency, and we help organizations with their equity inclusion initiatives around professionals with disabilities, so um, a lot of our revenue came from, you know, placements, right? Getting, you know, very amazing, talented people from the people with disabilities community placed in these organizations. And immediately I thought to myself, I'm like, well, you know, the, the, the first round of layoffs are going to affect those people who are doing like those staff, uh, staff org kind of opportunities. And um, so it's not that my, my mindset was glass half empty as much as I was just like, I, I had to ask myself, is this, is this pandemic going to be the end of of my dream? Because again, there are so few, uh, you know, uh, professionals with disabilities in the, in the, in the, in the, <laughs> the, in the business and the executive <laughs> leadership, like it, anywhere, uh, you know, legislation like, it. so for me, you know, not ever knowing that representation out there, like my mindset, absolutely. Again, I wasn't going glass half empty. But I, I was I was giving myself a reality check about a year ago to this date. So so to support that story that you have, I I appreciate what that that young lady was 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 saying.
1: Yeah, well, and it's the like when you look at the language, right? Like even comparing, you know, I just looking at particularly the um, the point about. Expanding eligibility to non-citizen small business owners who are lawful U.S. residents, right? Like that—that that simple sentence was different a year ago. So, it's—it's not—it's not, it's no wonder, right, that there there are millions upon millions of underrepresented people in this country who, yeah, you, at some point. The, the, the struggle and the impression is just too much. You, ha- you have to rely on yourself and, and you can't even, because everything else, it, it never says it supports you in any way, shape or form. And that's, that, I mean, it, it, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Like that's so hard.
2: Yeah, I was actually thinking, like, today, um, so I saw, uh, I'm pretty, I don't know if I'm super active on Twitter, but I was, I was watching Twitter, and honestly, like, a lot, I have a feeling a lot of, like, financial information on, like, how to manage your finances, because it's not anything that people teach you in school, it's really hard to learn about, like, how to start your own business, but someone just put it into 180 characters or less, how to turn $150 into $5,000. Spend one hundred and fifty dollars. Get an LLC. Get a loan for five thousand dollars. You know, with the small business grants that are coming out, and now you've turned one hundred and fifty into five thousand. Um, obviously, that's a gross oversimplification, but like even a small amount of thing like that is the kind of access to information that people don't even know that that's even a possibility.
3: I think that this idea that the money is there for you is is a little bit of the, the mountain. And I think that's probably part of the history that, that we have to kind of face and say, yes, underrepresented communities typically have not had access to funding <laughs> and they're not used to government programs like this being for them that are supporting their businesses. And I I think that that has been part of it of people just assuming maybe that it's not for them even if they have heard about it which is also like just a level of like we we don't know what we don't know and um, so that's part of like why I wanted to do YouTube because I was like I can get the most information out there as possible to people to let them know like this is for them this is a program that is that is accessible if you, you know, just do like a little bit of work to figure out whether or not you are. Um, And, but it's, I don't think, I think that's the thing. It's like, we can, we can try to get the information out there um, as much as we can. Um, But I still do think that there is a level of disconnect between people who want to get the money and then the people who are actually getting the money. And I think that's what we see with that statistic of, you know, um black and brown business owners that went to go and get money were not actually getting it at the end of the day at the levels that they were requesting it and yeah still still a fundamental problem there for sure
1: well i, I we could probably talk about this forever but um the good news is and and we'll put a link if if you could send us a link we'll put a link to your youtube channel um to share, but thank you for, for this, you know, this overview, I think, you know, it's important. um, There, there's some really cool programs happening here in Colorado to help kind of small businesses uh, really understand their, their access and their eligibility and all that. And, and even, you know, different ways of getting access to different kinds of money. Um, But at the end of the day, it really comes down to, you know, the, the, the education, how it's presented, and, and so thank you for the work that you're doing, Hannah, and i um, really excited that we got a chance to speak with you today.
3: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you guys, your insight and kind of bringing a different perspective, too. And thank you for the work that you're doing with inclusion.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Hannah.
1: Thanks. And thank you all Choose Inclusion audience for continuing to tune in. Um, as always, ChooseInclusion.com is kind of the central hub and you can get to all different kinds of streaming sites from there, so check it out. And thank you all for listening. Take care. Have a great day.
2: Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Choose Inclusion podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can see closed captioning for this podcast on our YouTube channel. You can find us online on our website, chooseinclusion.com, and contact us on Twitter at chooseinclusion.